suit. This is why we do this, because I'm super nervous and I'm sure you're a little bit nervous. So if we do this before she gets here, then it's a little bit, you know. <laughs> Less nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, well, Heidi. Hi. Thank you for coming. No problem. Um, this is another episode of Magnolia House with my childhood friend, Heidi Geist. I've known you like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thanks for coming. No problem. Uh, we're gonna talk about Isabella House. Okay. Which is a rehab mm -hmm. and whatever you wanna talk about. Yeah. Um, so you went to Isabella House. I did. Did you do the six months? I did. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And what was that like? Um, it was intense. It was, yeah. it was a, definitely a difficult program. Um, but you know, I really enjoyed it. I actually had done another 30 day treatment center before Isabella House, mm -hmm. just directly before. Yeah, because um, you have to, right? Um, you didn't then, mm. because lots of the girls that I was there with, um, you know, came in, you know, and detoxed there. Yeah. Oh, so, you can detox? No, or not you, anymore. You're not supposed to, um, but a lot of them did. Yeah. So, like, my roommate, when I first got there, uh, we got there on the same day. Mm -hmm. You know, she definitely was coming down um, yeah. the first couple of days. Um, but I think a lot of the girls did, especially the pregnant ones. Came mm. from places like Swedish, um, yeah. stuff like that. What's Swedish? Swedish is a medical detox. I don't know where it is. I think it's, um, I want to say around like maybe Everett or Marysville, yeah. kind of over there. Um, but, you know, I, I did detox mm -hmm. and then a treatment center and that was kind of to wait until I could get straight into Isabella House so that yeah. way I didn't have an overlap because I was homeless. Did they, were you waiting to for a room to open up? Yeah. 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 So um, my plan wasn't, um, you know, I really didn't have a plan when I went into detox. Mm -hmm. I just did. Mm -hmm. I just went there and kind of, you know, yeah. picked my path from there. Mm -hmm. And Isabella House is where I ended up. And yeah. I'm glad I did. So, yeah. Yeah. And what was the, what's the day to day like? What do they have you do on a um, daily basis? So you wake up pretty early if you want meds. Mm -hmm. um, Which I'm sure everybody's like first thing. Oh, everybody's yeah. take, took just tons of meds. Um, I yeah. didn't personally. Yeah. What do you mean tons? Because don't they, isn't it like a one, <laughs> one a day, like Suboxone? Do they have methadone so, too? Um, if you are, if you take Suboxone or methadone, it's something that you had to have had previously, like before you got into. Mm. Um, so what you, other meds are available then? So you see um, like a mental health, I wouldn't say counselor, mm -hmm. um, but a prescriber yeah. and he'll prescribe you things, um, you know, for anxiety. Probably pain management. No. No? No. no. You have to just tough it out? Yeah. My, um, the number one thing my sister talks about with withdrawals is like, it's fucking painful. Yeah. And that's why yeah. they suggest, you know, now I guess it's required and it probably was then. It just was as mm -hmm. more lax. Yeah. Um, detox. Yeah, oh, other treatment yeah. Um, that makes sense but how long really because most detox places are like a week right yeah when i so i was in isabel house you know over three years ago so mm -hmm. i went in november 2017 mm -hmm. um so things were a little different but i did two and a half weeks at detox yeah um but i have had friends that in the last, you know, couple years have been in and out of detox and it is like mm -hmm. they will kick you out after a week. Know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the reason I'm asking is like, 
How long do you think physically it really t- actually takes you to detox? To detox, um, to start feeling like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least not feel sick. Not feel sick. Mm, I'd probably say about like five mm-hmm. days. Really? A good, yeah, five to days. feel but kind of to comfortable? To feel better, I mean, com- more comfortable, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're mentally not yeah. detoxed. I mean, yeah. really for a few months. Really? I mean, yeah. yeah. And what is it, have... what do you mean like... What does it feel like mentally when you're not oh God, on drugs, um, but you're, you know, sober? You have this just like constant like thought, like battle in your head, like you know, I want to get high, yeah. just all the time. Yeah. Um, and then you get this like kind of flood of emotions because you've been using so long to bury every yeah. emotion, trauma, whatever you have. So it's it can be really difficult for some people, mm-hmm. um, and that's why a lot of people, you know, if they get fresh out of detox you know they'll just go right back to yeah what they were doing before and that's um how many do you think you've been to um i've been to the same detox twice oh where yeah. was that that was it so we're gonna bleep that because okay. i have a lot of shit to say about them oh no i do too um how bad are they really okay so the first time i went um i wasn't feeling it because i was forced to be there kind of yeah. um I was pregnant mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be there. Um, and it was awful because I kind of made it awful. Yeah. Second time I was there, I loved it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I liked the people I was with, I liked the stuff. But um, my boyfriend relapsed a while ago. Yeah. And, you know, I had high, you know, like, I like. So, you know, of course, I sent him there. Yeah. Um, and it was awful for him. Yeah. Um, what is what are the living conditions like there? My sister says so, it's like bare minimum. Okay, so there's the um now I haven't been into the new building. Mm-hmm. But there is like the sobering unit mm-hmm. which is like basically think of like jail kind of. Really? It's Okay, this that's is how, the old that, okay, building. But that's how my sister described <laughs> it. Sure she said really it's similar. basically like a mat. There are mats on the floor. Yeah, okay. there's a bathroom, See, kind of. Alex and I had the podcast yesterday, doing yeah. a little bit, a bit of a pre-show, and I said that. And in my heart, I didn't necessarily believe that that was true because right. my sister, my sister told me, and she's always exaggerating how bad things are. Yeah, well, but that's okay. But here's my point: if you're somebody trying to get sober, right? Yeah, and. I can only imagine your mental state at that time, mm-hmm. what your previous living conditions were, like mm-hmm. my sister on the street or in a car or mm-hmm. wherever, or crashing at places. If you're doing the heroic work of trying to get yourself clean, trying to get your act together, and they put you on mats on the fucking floor. <laughs> okay, so I, I have to say, um, you know, I was homeless mm-hmm. when I went there the first time, wasn't. Um, I was pregnant, so I got like fast tracked mm-hmm. up into the detox facility. Um, the second time, I was homeless. I was not pregnant, um, and there just happened to be a ton of people there. I was in the sobering unit for like five days. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it was better conditions than yeah. what I was before because I was literally on the street. Um, yeah. So but at least it it's... was a place to stay. Now, <laughs> I was scared because I, you know, obviously when you're using, you have friends that have been there and whatever. And, yeah. You know, they did make it seem like it was a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff makes it better, at least. You know, I know someone that still works there. Too. 
It depends. I've heard. Okay, I'm just gonna. <laughs> my okay. Keep in mind, my sister is a very angry and negative yeah, person. Yeah, I get that. But she said the staff is very mean yeah. and they don't treat you like people. So. And and also, she's been to a few detox places, and right. she says this is kind of a normal thing. Yeah. And um. I I would agree. It depends on how you act, who you are, and like your uh-huh. your willingness to. If you know, if you want to be there, you're going to accept the conditions that you're in because you want to better yourself and you know that that's the first step. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't want to be there or if you are there, you know, strictly because you think it's the right thing, but your heart's really not in it, it's going to be harder to kind of accept that mm-hmm. and move forward. And, you know, the whole time I was there, five days is a long time to sleep on a mat yeah. in a room with a bunch of other people that are withdrawing worse than you or off... Um, you know, people who are withdrawing from alcohol, I would say probably the worst because yeah. they, they shake it, they're loud, they vomit a lot. Yeah. Um, you know. And it's one of the more dangerous withdrawals. Definitely. Um, which is surprising. You would think heroin or meth right. is like the worst ones, but more people die from alcohol. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, it is bad. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was there, I do know a woman that still works in the detail or in the sobering unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if maybe I was just kind of like her favorite because yep. I do feel like definitely people do pick kind of favorites and, you know, favor other people more mm-hmm. than some. Yeah. Um, but I was treated nicely. The food is gross. That's okay. <laughs> that's another topic I wanted to get to because my sister. <sighs> so she says the food is so awful there, but they have vending machines. Yeah. But that's problematic because that means you have to carry money on you right so there's not vending machines in the sobering unit once you've Mm. moved out of the sobering unit conditions are a lot nicer you know a lot of the times you start off in a room with a couple other people um once people start moving out you get your own room and it's not bad um then they're vending machines and i i just feel like the initial step into making the choice to get sober Mm -hmm. should be a warm welcome yeah comfortable living standards i mean fuck i could go out and drive around town right now yeah and find 20 like fold out janky beds that mm-hmm. you could put a mat on it's yeah. like so much more dignified than fucking putting people on the floor yeah i think there's reasoning behind it i don't know it mm. um but you know the sobering unit is one thing the actual detox facility mm. um I can really only speak for the old building because it's the only one I've been in. I'm sure that they have, it's similar, Mm -hmm. but it's nice up there. Yeah. You know, there are staff, the staff, when I was there, I do know a bunch of them still work there. Mm -hmm. Um, They're great. Yeah. And they're nice. And I didn't really see either, you know, any of the people, at least that I do know that are still there. Um, kind of doing the favoritism thing they were nice to everyone unless you did something wrong only human and it's like if you get one person who's super high and like problematic aggressive probably my sister very loud very angry nothing's good enough treat everybody like crap you're not going to be the favorite so i mean it makes it makes sense yeah um but man so what it was uh how different was that from your experience from going to isabella house um, well, so can I back up a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So from detox, I went to Spark. Spark's a really small, I won't talk much about this, but it's really small, 30 days. It's 
it was a house. Mm-hmm. It was me and like six other girls. Um, and I liked that kind of smallness. Yeah. Going from that to Isabella House is really um, overwhelming because there's a lot of girls there. <sighs> Um, I know how, how, I'm imagining just a house. What is is it a complex? It's a is big it? house. It's like a mansion. Yeah. Kind and of. And how many people would you say? 20? I, th- I want to say that like the most that there ever was when I was there was maybe like 26 people. Mm-hmm. 28. Still a lot. 26 adults. Yeah. And then oh, however and then many kids. Kids. So yeah. it's got to be a mansion. It's That's, huge. Yeah. Um, it's huge. It's three floors. Where is it? Have I seen it driving around? I'm sure you have seen it. Mm-hmm. I had seen it a million times, never known what it was. Yeah. Um, but it's big, there's three floors. Um, there's a bunch of like shared rooms where they might bunk, you know, two to like four people in the mm-hmm. room. And then there's, you know, multiple single rooms. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's overwhelming. I remember the first time I walked in, there was a girl and she gave me the dirtiest look just like i hate you yeah. look and i'm just like shook <laughs> and i'm just like oh my god this is gonna like right be when awful you got there? immediately yeah. walked yeah. in the door and she's Ooh. just like glared Probably at me just like going through her own oh she was yeah, um yeah. you know I, as i found out but um she ended up leaving the next day and i just mm. couldn't help feeling like i'm the reason why this girl oh, who i'd no. never met in my life yeah. left yeah. because she didn't like me for whatever reason <laughs> that's um she left and mm-hmm. that poses another question which is this is on your own volition that you're there right you yeah, can for the leave most part. whenever you want yeah unless it's court part. ordered it's, yeah uh, yeah which um which you can still leave you'll just get arrested yeah yeah and um so were you there on your own accord i was did there you? on my own yeah. yeah so why did you what why did you never choose to leave well, um, I... Because a lot of people, my sister, I mean, you know, it's a lot a, of people... It's a hard program, but, yeah. you know, I was there because I wanted to get clean. I wanted my kids back. Yeah. Um, I had this really, like, you know, strong feeling, which I'm really grateful for. Oh. oh. We're going to pause. Our second guest is here. Okay. Okay, so we're here with Tenille. Is that how you say your name? Yes. Um, of Isabella House. We've got Heidi Geist here. Hello. We just did a pre-show with her. Yeah. So thank you for coming. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, we just wanted to talk about Isabella House. Sure. Among other things, um, I have a lot of thoughts on the whole situation with how our state handles getting people sober, housing, mental health, all of that stuff. Um, Great. So I'll do a kind of summary of what I think Isabella House is, and you can correct me where I'm wrong or either of you. So it's a rehab facility. Correct. Basically. And um, I was told by your mom, actually, that it's one of three in Washington that allows you to have your children there. Is that? There's a few more, um, uh-huh. but uh, Isabella House is the only program on the side of the mountains that's a PPW oh. program, so pregnant and parenting women program. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yep. That's like a saving grace. Yeah. Um, and so basically the way it works is one week of detox, one month of rehab in another facility, and then you can do six months at your facility? So sometimes it works like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have people that come um, right from either a detox program or right from being homeless. Um, mm-hmm. So it depends. With COVID, it's changed a bit um, yeah. just because we're trying to reduce the exposure potential, and we've been very successful with that mm-hmm. so far. Um, but we do ask that they go to detox prior to coming in, and yeah. if they've if they can do a 30-day program they're usually a lot more stable so yeah. so we do ask that but it's not required okay 
And yeah, she was just talking about her six month. Uh, yeah, and I did do a thirty day before, and I definitely I came in with a different attitude than a lot of the other girls because they kind of already knew a little bit to what to expect yeah. in a treatment facility. Yeah. So. So I was <laughs> asking her, we didn't quite get to it. What is the day-to-day like for somebody who's going through the program? So they're doing treatment uh, basically from about 7.30 in the morning uh, to about 7.30 at night. Mm-hmm. And so they're wow. doing programming the entire day. And that's uh, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday is a partial day. They have mm-hmm. half the day off. And then, and then Thursday and Friday, it's full days again. Um, and then some programming on the weekend as well, but not much. And what does that entail exactly? So they do parenting classes, mm-hmm. uh, drug and alcohol uh, yeah. prevention, relapse prevention. We do life skills. We do um, yeah. emotional well-being, trauma, domestic violence. Wow. We do uh, an evidence-based parenting program, mm-hmm. uh, circle of security, um, and that's a I think eight nine week course i think it's nine weeks nine weeks. Yeah. yeah what i remember okay. it's long that sounds amazing yeah. it honestly i've been on the phone with a million different facilities just with my sister who's currently in uh, a mandatory detox yeah um and it sounds amazing comparatively yeah. Thank it, you. It's, it sounds really great um i also want to get to uh i have so many frustrations like mm-hmm. i said with how this whole system works certainly um, so are you aware of Ricky's law? I am. Mm-hmm. So that has been, it's been a saving grace on one end and the most frustrating thing in the world on the other hand, um, because it's one of the few laws that Washington has, um, where you can actually detain somebody and kind of force them to go through a detox. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it's only a five day, 120 hour detox. And at least from my sister's experience, that's typically when she starts to feel the worst. I don't know. You said it kind of takes five days to. I think around be in five days you start to feel better uh-huh. um, physically, yeah. but you know mentally you're still yeah. at the same place you were when you came in, if not worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is the third time she's been picked up. Yeah. And they said it's rare, but sometimes the court rule that they suggest they do another extended two weeks, mm-hmm. which third round they finally suggested that. So. Fingers crossed they keep her there. But it was just a bummer because the other times it was five days in, she's still pissed off. Oh, she's yeah. still wanting to use. Mm-hmm. And it's like she realized she had $20 in her pocket when they gave her a clothes back. And she said the second she got out, she was like calling my dealer. And then she overdosed. Yeah. And so it's like, so I was talking to the woman on the phone. I was like, I appreciate that Ricky's Law is a thing because it's like, you feel so powerless with the way things work because, you know, personal freedoms and all that, you can't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do, but when it's a loved one Mm -hmm. and you can see that they're clearly damaging their life, they're at, she died three, she died technically twice Mm -hmm. and was revived, luckily. Um, And she's had a blood infection from a needle. It's it's like, it's dark. Mm -hmm. And so, and she wants to get sober but the thing is, it's almost like you need somebody to not give you an option to leave for the first like month or so, um, just to clear your head. And so, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about Ricky's Law. And well, I think that the, while Ricky's Law, the reasons why they implemented it are so important, there's missing pieces of that. Yeah. Um, the follow-up afterwards yeah. um, is, is, I think, the problem. Yeah. Um, five days isn't enough time. 
especially if they're being externally motivated to do it, it's yeah. going to be far more difficult to stay sober. And, yeah. and that's just the nature of, of the game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, in five days isn't enough to, to flip that switch. Yeah. Um, especially if you've got a lot of uh, trauma and things that you need to work through, you're not even yeah. beginning to look no. at that. Um, and so addressing all of that holistically is so, so important. So do you have similar frustrations with the limitations that the state puts on you guys? So I think I've learned to work with it mm-hmm. um, and utilize what we what we do have. Um, yeah. You know, with our program, it's pretty unique. And so the motivators are definitely different than they would be in a typical program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, children are, they are the driving force a lot of the time. And for me, I don't care why you came to treatment yeah. at all. I don't care if it was the court system. I don't care if it was a PO. I don't care if it was CPS. Mm-hmm. Hopefully something happens in that six months that, that gets you to look at your life and, and realize the value in it and yeah. that you're important and deserve better than that. So being uh, intrinsically motivated is not necessarily a concern for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's what happens after that yeah. in that period of time, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully they pick something up. But I think those shorter programs are really difficult to, to instill the importance of, yeah. um, of life and, and, and value and family and all of that. It's just too difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's you know, five days is nothing. Yeah. When you're yeah. talking about completely yeah. ch- changing the entire way somebody lives their entire life, that's like nothing. What are you going to say? Yeah. Well, six months, you know, is a perfect amount of time. Cause I remember when I was there, there were lots of girls that were really on the fence. I'm like, do I want to be here? You know, what, is it worth it to me to stay? You know, mm-hmm. um, some of those girls left three months in usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those girls stayed, yeah. you know, and um, the girls that left, at least the ones I know of, um, the the couple girls that I was close with that I was in treatment with all relapsed, I mean, afterwards, you know, so it wasn't in them to stay. Yeah, you know, after there were, the six months? No, they oh. they left around three months. Oh, okay. Um, you know, obviously lots of girls come in and leave no yeah. ma- all the yeah. time, but yeah. you know, the ones that are fighting that battle is if, you know, do I wanna be here is, you know, do I want to be sober? Yeah. Usually I'd say around that three months, it's like, I've done three months, I'm good. Yeah. But in, in real life, it's like, you know, you have to commit it to yeah. it. That's incredible. Yeah. Cause in my mind, I, cause I don't struggle. I, I struggle with my own addiction, smoking, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I were to hit the three month mark, I'd be like, not in the clear, but we've gone through the worst. Yeah. It would be so disheartening if you went back after that. Yeah. That's well, the issue I think, and I think it, it's worth saying. So around three months, 90 days to mm-hmm. 120 days is when we really start to see behaviors come out. And mm-hmm. so our program, thankfully, is long enough to kind of withstand that yeah. period mm-hmm. of time and yeah. pause is really, really uh, significant at that time as well. And so your brain is is telling you, yes, I've got this, mm-hmm. but it's, it's tricking you. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of other things going on during that time that typically will lead people to want to, to abort treatment and then yeah. go use typically yeah. happens, that's but. that's rough yeah um do you is there any way they're able to start preparing for when they get out finding housing oh yeah we do job? all of that yeah yeah mm-hmm. so our program is holistic so we have an ARNP on staff mm-hmm. um so she prescribes medications including uh, MAP medications or um 
medication withdrawal management. Yeah. Um, Things oh. like Suboxone, methadone. Correct. When I was there, there that wasn't an option. Correct. You had to come in with it. Yes. To mm -hmm. have it. So we have that now. That's good. With the I prescription, right? Not with your whole dose for the six months. No, yo. Um, so no, they don't do that. Oh. Um, that would be <laughs> wildly <laughs> reckless, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a liability for that prescriber yeah. for sure. But, 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 what I mean is if you come with it, you, you can come, get it refilled. Yeah, right? you come you already just, prescribed to it. They okay. accommodate yeah. how you get it, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. stuff like that. But we um, have our own provider now, so that's, that's, mm. that's very awesome. helpful. That's um, we have a nurse on staff. We have our therapeutic childcare. We have a lot of different supports for the, for the families. And mm -hmm. when they're getting ready to transition, we start about eight weeks prior to them completing treatment and we uh, put them in a transition class. And so they're looking at housing, mm. um, aftercare, any medical yeah. issues, any therapies, um, what that CPS case would look like if they have one. Yeah, um, that's another topic I wanna get to. So yeah. Danielle, can I ask you a question? Um, so I lived in transition house. Mm -hmm. I was lucky, uh, but it is only, what is it, like six rooms and an apartment. Correct. Um, so five rooms in an apartment. Yeah, exactly. um, so it's pretty small compared to the 20 some girls that are leaving, you know, and, you know, they're not all leaving at one time, but the transition house is a longer, it's 18 months. Uh -huh. um, wow. So there's not always vacancies. I know I was really lucky to move in there. I moved in there like two weeks after I graduated because I just happened to be able to do that. Um, but I found I had a really hard time in those like the last transition period um, if I was going to find housing because I moved it back in with my mom and then into. Um, but if I didn't have my mom, um, I would have gone to a shelter. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, I feel like it's said, you know, we will help you with housing. I felt um, like that was more kind of hyped up mm -hmm. for not really anything right. um, for this 18 month transition house you're you speaking that was after so fact, after yeah. so i mean the last few weeks when you're in that like transition period to leave mm -hmm. the the isabella house not mm -hmm. transition house um you know i i felt like i was going to have more help i guess yes. to find housing mm -hmm. um and and everything fell through but um, I would have been able to move into an Oxford house. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. What's that? An Oxford house is the sober house. Mm. Um, that's basically really yeah. it, um, you know. Um, but I feel like that was something when I went in, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'm going to have housing after right. this. And that's not always yeah. the case. Cause that's true. Yeah. So um, back in 2012, uh, Spokane adopted King County's model of housing. Um, transition housing. So they wiped all of the wait lists away. So typically we would have someone come into treatment and about three months in, we'd start having them apply for different housing, like mm -hmm. St. Yeah. Margaret's, um, those programs that are um, very supportive, lots mm -hmm. of case management. Um, so they took those away and we ended up having no housing. So, wow. and we have women with children with CPS cases, all of that. So yeah. we were able to get the the county to recognize that our women were homeless two weeks before they completed treatment, which is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's one of the insane. worst things. That's which like, is, which was really hard yeah. to do. Um, I, I know that I had a ton yeah. of problems yeah. getting to that, you know, homeless status. Yeah. 
because they're like, you're not homeless. So yeah. I'm like, I technically am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hoops you have to jump to. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and how do you explain that to the providers yeah. that are saying, you know, we're in charge of this or of these children or child. Mm-hmm. How can we ensure they're going to be safe? And then yeah. saying, okay, well, the quickest, least difficult way is to go through a shelter. Yeah. So you have to, for like a CPS case, you have to say, I'm not homeless. I can take care of my child. But then to get housing, you have to say, yeah, I am homeless. Yep. And that's kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, and then. Yeah telling the providers that they're sending we're sending them to a shelter i mean that's frightening to think about especially if you don't know how the shelters work and Mm -hmm. i think spokane's doing a good job addressing that right now Mm -hmm. as much as they can i think there's a lot more work to do yeah um but it's definitely frustrating from a, a clinical perspective how do we safely transition these women and these children and set them up for success when we're having to send them to a shelter? Yeah. It's yeah. very disheartening. Yeah. And we only have six rooms that we can keep those people yeah. you know, safe in. Uh, it's not enough. Yeah. Especially after you just did the work for six months. Yeah. yeah. Seven months, probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the huge issues with people going to jail, let's say. It's like jail, prison, whatever. It's such a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's such a waste of human life. You're just sitting in a box. And the worst part is there's no preparation from when you get out. Right. You're just back where you started. Yeah. Yeah. And And oftentimes in much worse uh, condition because you have all kinds of things that you're responsible for ensuring you're doing, but you don't have the time or resources to do them. And then you just get sent back and sent back and your record gets worse and worse. And then if you're a felon, it's hard to get a place to a job, Mm -hmm. a house. It's like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. It's being so... I get so enraged because mm-hmm. my family is kind of steeped in this. We have a pretty problematic family. Mm-hmm. And my brother is a felon. Um, and it's frustrating. His felony was going to be removed. And like a year before it was going to be removed, some small, stupid incident happened and it restarted the seven years. Yep. And he has four kids. Yep. And so getting a job is difficult. Getting a place to stay is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. It's not set up for people to win, especially if you're at the very bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's it, it is. I actually worked for the Department of Corrections mm-hmm. um, for about 10 months. Um, and that was one of the things I, I saw that was so incredibly frustrating was the amount of things that they were required to do. Yeah. But no resources to do them mm-hmm. or the, the demands were too high that they would not be successful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just was it was a setup for failure. And if they have any other um entities that are interested in and how they're doing like cps Mm. then you're doubling those efforts so you're doing everything that the department is asking you to do and then you're trying to meet all of your release conditions as well and it it can be impossible um and and that was hard to see um yeah it's um it just seems like we would be using our money so much more wisely if we would do things correctly the first time and it's like i was talking to the woman who runs uh one of the dcrs for the crisis center i was like look this is my sister's third time being called Mm -hmm. and yeah we already talked about this but like the five days that's not enough none of the and and you're talking about housing wait lists sometimes the wait list is two years three Mm -hmm. years that's crazy Mm -hmm. and it's not like we don't have housing we don't have property in Spokane um but rent is just getting higher and yeah that's difficult yeah but um yeah so we can get back to Isabella house um what are some things you would like people to know about it um we've talked a bit about 
you know, one of my favorite things again is the what you could PP PPW. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's wicked cool. And how does what that work? What is PPW? Work? Pregnant parenting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. How does that? <laughs> how does that work? Because my one of my sister's main concerns is um, right now my mom has temporary custody mm -hmm. of her dot of her son, mm -hmm. and she is soon going to be fighting for permanent custody. And my sister is just panicking, mm -hmm. and she's actually trying to use that. I think addicts will use any reason they can, especially one seemingly so important as your child being taken away. But she's in treatment in Chehalis right now. They mm -hmm. did the mandatory two weeks and she's like, I have to get out of here. I have to fight for my kid, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, you're just using that as a reason. But how does that work when somebody is struggling for custody of their kid yeah. while they're getting treatment? So it depends on two different factors. If it's a family law case or if it's a dependency with the state. Mm -hmm. um, so. I'm an expert in, in CPS dependencies, and so navigating them for me is very easy because yeah. um, I know what the laws are, I know um, what the department is required to do, um, and what the rights of the patient are. And so if there are, if you don't know that, you're going to be in, in a, a yeah. world of trouble yeah. um, if you don't have an advocate in that system. Family law is, is much more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, as an advocate, we're not allowed to speak on our client's behalf. We can't. Yeah assist them in that in that way and so which they would have to rely on what a public defender or something not in family law you have to get your own attorney or represent yeah. yourself which is what? virtually impossible that's that's unless you can ludicrous yeah. because if you're even in the position in the first place you don't have the means to do that typically not um, oh my god! So there are attorneys that will do pro bono work. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to find. But even are, yeah. even pro bono, it's like it's like my sister and I don't know so much about pro bono, but my sister has a public defender, and half the time he doesn't show up. Yeah. And that's yeah. the that's so damn infuriating with my sister's yeah. case in particular, probably also because I'm so close to the situation. But she has like drug court and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and I don't know too much about that. But basically, they told her they're going to give her this ultimatum, which is like. You have all these fel felonies hanging over your head. Mm -hmm. We can wipe these felonies and you can go to rehab mm -hmm. or you can go to jail. And I could be wrong on this part, but it seems like she said, and if you bail out on jail, you go to prison. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, is that, that DOSA? Is that... Very potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the DOSA is the drug offender reassignment or something. I can't recall mm -hmm. what it was. I was the DOSA counselor at the, at the jail. Um, so they can revoke your dosa um, mm. if that's what it is. You know, drug court. I think there's a lot of benefits to that, but there also are. It's hard to get out of that system once you're in it, yeah. and especially if you have an attorney who's not working for you like they're supposed to, yeah. and and they're getting paid to do that. Yeah. Um, so there are people that you can contact to complain about that, oh, um, really? and okay. you should. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. So there's ombudsmen's for for attorneys, um, and I have filed them. Um, yeah. So the public defender is clocking hours for yeah. your sister. Yeah. And if she's not getting representation, he's which working is, for her. Which is life-threatening yeah. because we have been banking on the idea, okay, well, if she's not necessarily willingly gonna go to treatment, mm -hmm. if the court can force her yeah. as a result of mm -hmm. actions she's made, um, then that could be a saving grace. And there are times where she's, it, it just gets get put off and put off and put off. She's get extension after extension after extension. It's been, there's been a million six extensions for like eight months now. Yeah. And there's been no action taken. And she has overdosed multiple times right. in that mm -hmm, period. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and I understand COVID is going on, it's court systems are backed up, but it's 
probably killing people that yeah. no, they're not taking any action. Yeah. And that's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating. If she had a CPS dependency, she could enter family treatment court mm -hmm. and then she would have an attorney in that venue what as well. What is the difference? The qualifying factors if it's um so with a cps dependency you're provided an attorney at the mm -hmm. state's cost um, your child can also get an attorney mm -hmm. at the state's cost yeah. um, and then also uh, a guardian ad litem or casa worker which is a person whose solely entire job is to make sure that the child's well-being is is, yeah. is at hand regardless of, of what one party says or the other mm -hmm. Um, That's good to know. And you have representation. Okay. With family law, you're either trying to use a court facilitator to, to make sure your paperwork is correct, trying to find an attorney. Um, and what determines what category you're going to be put into? Whoever chooses. Or, I mean, if... You can choose which one you want to go through? Mm. Well, not necessarily. You'd what, have to have an open CPS case. Correct. So, mm. um, which is a lot easier to navigate. Not that a lot of people know that, but that's a lot easier to navigate than family law. Yeah. When you hear CPS, yeah, you're, that's scary. You're scared. It is. You're real scared. Yeah, There's I would a lot take a benefits. CPS case all oh. day long over a uh, family law case yeah. really? all day. Yeah. There's so many benefits to CPS. I'm so grateful yeah. that I was had CPS because yeah. I had so many, you know, more opportunities. You know, they really push you to better yourself. Obviously, you know, for obvious reasons. Well, they want to keep the families together, right? That is the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not yeah. all of them have that shared yeah. vision, um, which is <laughs> why I file complaints like that. Yeah. Um, but the mission of CPS, yes, is to reunify yeah. when it's safe to do so and yeah. keep families together when yeah. it's safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, how, so how does that work when, like, let's say in my sister's case, for example, my mom has temporary custody. She's soon fighting for permanent custody. Yeah. If my sister were in your mm -hmm. facility, how, what would happen in that case? we would attempt to get her uh, an attorney mm -hmm. um, to help represent her case. Um, what happens in those, the temporary custody orders is there's an outline of what needs to happen typically. Mm -hmm. And if your sister's not following through with those things, it's yeah. really difficult to what, what, what are some examples of those? Um, Obviously going through the treatment program. Correct, yeah. like can, that would yeah. be one of them um, and following recommendations. Um, it may have a psyche valve component to it. I mean, there's lots of things they can add to that. And because it's family law, it's a lot more open to whomever has the child's discretion, really, mm -hmm. um, about what they're asking um, and what the limitations are. And yeah. so for someone to take that case on an attorney, they would they would want someone that's really invested in, in working hard to get their kiddo back because yeah. they're doing it for free. So it's, it's challenging. That's yeah. why... I think CPS this is easier. thing is challenging yeah. as hell. Mm -hmm. It's just, I've been back in Spokane for roughly a year, mainly moved back because of all my family situations. Mm -hmm. um, and dealing with my sister, it's, I get so, I get pissed off because mm -hmm. it seems like it's so mismanaged, but on the other end, you're dealing with human beings who are incredibly complex and at times very problematic and working against their own interests. Mm -hmm. and. It's hectic. Is there anything you think that, if, if you could wave your magic wand, what would you change about the way things are being handled right now? Because um, I think I, I have a few, but again, I, I don't know. When I talk to these people like, well, that's a breach of like your personal freedoms or your mm -hmm. rights and all that stuff. And it's yeah. like, when you're, I don't view my sister as, she's 22. I don't view her as an adult. I view her as my little sister who I want to save her life, you yeah. know, but she's 
an adult. Right. And so there are some limitations in what you can do. Right. Um, I mean, if I could wish mm-hmm. everyone well, I wouldn't have a job, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> quite unfortunate. Um, I think instilling hope is, is so yeah. important. And yeah. also not taking it personally. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be very hard for family members, yeah. especially when it's you care so much and you don't want to see them. Yeah. harm themselves um, or die from that being emotionally invested in in her decision making is is going to disappoint yeah. um, and that that's probably the hardest thing is being able to separate yourself emotionally when it's someone that you love and care for so much yeah. um, and they're not at a place where they're able to see the value in that yeah. um, I think as a as a society and culture we really stigmatize addiction and that mm-hmm is disheartening um, because then it places all of these labels on on yeah. us and we already do that enough. And so um, the way that I practice therapy is, yes, this might be a component of, of who you are, either, you know, you are, you know, you committed a crime or mm-hmm. you're a felon or, you know, you're a drug addict. Yeah. What else about you is there? <clears throat> there must be more. Like Heidi is a mom. Yeah. She's funny. She's intelligent. Um, she's smart. Um, Thank you. She's <laughs> um, very helpful. All of those yeah. things. So if if I get to pick one, why can't I pick one of those? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when I'm treating my patients, that's how I treat them is, is I'm looking at them as a whole person. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is maybe an aspect, but if I'm only looking at that and saying that's who this, this person is, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? They're going to be behaving that way when you're yeah. hearing it day in and day out, day yeah. in and day out. And society is saying it to you, you're a criminal, you're a drug addict. They're placing you so below yeah. where you need to be and where you are. Um, and so being able to educate people on addiction um, and realize that people don't wake up one day and say, I want to no. fuck my life up, right? Yeah. I'm not, or my kids, even. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, they don't wake up and do that consciously. Yeah. And so being able to teach that um, and get people in the community, not only just citizens, but providers mm-hmm. to, to stop placing that judgment on them um, yeah. and allowing them to, to be who they are. So when we, when my sister was picked up this last time, I was infuriated at the way the cops handled things because when you're in that line of work, this is what you do all day. Right. You become jaded and it's, they, they should be sending healthcare, mental healthcare professionals out there who are leading the operation. And then the cops are there as backup because essentially the way it worked was my sister was sleeping. She didn't know it was going to happen. We didn't want to give her a heads up so she'd have the chance to bolt. Um, but she was taking a nap, well, probably a recovery nap because she was using a day or two before. Um, they pound on the door, just like terrifyingly. Like, and so we open up. She's scared out of her mind. Oh, yeah. She knows the sound of a policeman knocking. So she bolts to the back room. And eventually she's out in the living room with us. And there's no, there's no talk. It's just, hey, get up, go. We're going. And, it's, and then she was like, scared out of her mind she's like i don't know what's going on and so then they just manhandled her yeah it's dehumanizing it's so dehumanizing i thought they were going to break her arm they were so mishandling the situation and i just think if there was some compassion in that moment just even a little bit yeah yeah. i mean and especially somebody who's in a unstable mental state Mm -hmm. you know and 
if you could have just talked them through this whole process. And I didn't, I didn't understand why it has to be, let's go right now. Right. If it took two hours, it took two hours. Mm-hmm. Like anything to get this to go peacefully and make it a somewhat positive experience yeah. or at least not a terrible experience. Right. And so we had all the neighbors oh watching us, which you're an addict, you're withdrawing, you've got all these people staring at you. And so she's screaming, she's biting, she's like trying to get away. Oh, yeah. And that's not how it needs to be handled no, by any means. That's, that's awful. fight or flight for sure. That's yeah. what that is. And um, then you get, we were just talking about, we were talking about and I'm going to bleep them out, but detox facilities. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I get pissed off about because my sister would talk to me about the conditions there. And I thought she was exaggerating because she's, she's just an angry kind of negative person when she's using. She's a bright and beautiful, bubbly person when she's sober, but her outlook isn't that great when mm-hmm. she's withdrawing or, you know. No one right, does. Especially when, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't have you yet to meet anybody. You could be the person <laughs> yeah. in the world yeah. if you're withdrawing. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> and so when, when she would describe the, the conditions of STARS, mm-hmm. I was like, it, there's no way it's that bad. But then Heidi confirmed, it's, you're on mats on the floor. Yeah. The sobering unit. Yeah. That's what's there's bad. The detox food. facility is not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the sobering unit and you have to be there for well, you know, however many days you're there for. And that's when you're the sickest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely not um, set up for. And so her boyfriend, she and her boyfriend were using together, Mm -hmm. basically very codependent. She ended up going to jail. And when she got out, he was nowhere to be found. And he was actually getting sober, which made her feel miserable because she was like, you're my partner in crime. You bailed on me. Now you're sober and I'm still stuck on the streets. But the way he got sober is his family took him to a beautiful house that they had in the woods mm-hmm. no contact with the outside world no triggers no dealers that you're around that you could just bolt and run to and that made all the difference a beautiful place a comfy bed home-cooked meals your loved ones around you yes that is the complete opposite of these mm-hmm. detox facilities yeah. no family um, maybe you can take calls. Maybe you can't. The food is atrocious. You're sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. How Who is wants that to Im- get sober? How is that inviting to get sober at right. all? Yeah, no, that, that it doesn't sound like a, a setup for success at no. all. You know, I think it's ideally that would the way that her boyfriend got sober would be. I mean, that would be the dream. Yeah, way for that everybody. is a dream yeah, scenario. But usually for... they're being thrown in jail where they're yeah. detoxing in jail. Can't imagine that would be fun either. Yeah. It would not be the F word I would use. Um, <laughs> and then detox. Um, you know, those are very, very uncomfortable yeah. environments. And so and it's you're already not welcoming. physically very uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And angry, typically. Yeah. Um, so that's not going to help. And yeah. so is everyone else. And you're around them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely a vibe in there mm-hmm. because, you know, everyone's giving off this just sick, uncomfortable. Thing, it's hard to be comfortable even if you know you've yeah. got everything in there if everyone's miserable yeah you yeah know, eventually you too. <laughs> bounces off each other yeah oh, exactly yeah. it's yeah. definitely not going to uh reap positivity at all yeah, yeah. Um, and like you were saying when you get there there's all these people you've never met mm-hmm. their energy the energy of the person that you saw when you first walked in the door was like oh at isabella house <laughs> i the, the minute i walked in that door um uh, this girl, she left the next day. I don't remember her name, but um, she gave me the worst look, just like, I want to kill you. Yeah. And yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. I was terrified. And, you know, 
after about an hour and a half of talking to other people, I felt a little better, but yeah. I was still terrified. <laughs> my, um, I have zero tolerance for not being welcoming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, and I am much yeah. quicker to act yeah. than the previous administrator. Yep. I will have you pack your things immediately. Cause it's, I, it's um, just not, it's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me wonder why there aren't more. We had a woman from Catholic Charities on, that was mm -hmm. our first guest. And I love, their housing facility mm -hmm. i actually did like janitorial work there for a little yeah. bit a couple years back um but it's it's dignified to say the yeah. least you know you have your own quarters mm -hmm. um they help you with counseling um parenting issues and all that stuff and god i just wish it's it's i almost wish like we could say okay how many homeless and people who have a substance abuse uh disorder if we could just count them get a kind of an estimate of how many people there are build some apartment complexes and that's and people even sarah the woman from catholic charity is like well people have negative views on that like you're just housing them you're just right. you know but i mean giving them some sense of dignity and you know well a place a to rest to yeah. even think about what yeah. to do next yeah. um and and i do know that they do surround a lot of supports around people that come in there mm -hmm. getting them to stay might be a little bit yeah. problematic especially when it, the weather is nice it's far less uncomfortable yeah. to be homeless when it's warm yeah. um i do know that they're getting better but we we have a long way to go um yeah. and there's so many people that need um assistance and you know we have a, a huge homeless population that has severe mental illness as well and and we're closing down um you know buildings that housed them and that that's terrifying yeah. um and so it's happening i think we're trying to address it but mm -hmm. we're not quick enough yeah. um, and the problem's too big mm -hmm. would you from your experience would you do you have any idea if it's getting worse or better i think spokane's doing better mm -hmm. um i'd say when i look at other counties and because we work with people from all over the state when i'm looking for um, aftercare and things like that. There are some counties that have no housing. And right. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's what do we yeah. do next? Um, Spokane has has definitely stepped up in that regard. Um, I think a lot more money needs to be allocated to yeah. that. Um, but I do think that we're getting better. Yeah, that was one thing we were brought up in our little pre-talk, which was like, why are these people sleeping on the floor? I could go around to. A, many different stores or even used like Valley Village or something and find many, just like bare minimum, but mm -hmm. sleeping on the floor, it's like, what kind of budget do you have? And why is your food so awful? Because that's one thing, that's the main reason my sister bailed from detox mm -hmm. one of the so million times. On the food aspect, um, they serve certain food because it's easy on the stomach. Mm. Uh, a big thing, which you would think is, you know, you wouldn't want when you're getting sober, they give you a lot of like split pea soup um, because it has, you know, Nutrients. vitamins and yeah, things yeah, that you yeah. need. It's also easy to get down. It might not smell the best. Their split yeah. pea soup wasn't that bad, actually. <laughs> um, you know, it looks gross, but it actually didn't taste so bad. But they give you a lot of like soup yeah. and like bread sandwiches, things that would be easy to eat when you're detoxing. Yeah. Um, that's uh, That's one question I had. I wasn't sure if it was my, it was a thing just for my sister or if it was an opioid thing. Were you, did you have an affinity for sugar? Oh my God. Oh yeah. So. Is that, is that a thing? Yeah. Hey, so yeah. <laughs> so we don't actually allow sugar at oh. our facility. So yeah, our women, in, is that because it, it like <laughs> supplements an addictive? It thing? does. So yeah. it definitely, um, 
people who are are withdrawing definitely crave sweets significantly more. I wonder mm-hmm. what that is. Yeah. You know, I can't recall the scientific yeah. reasons behind that. Because it's, it, when she was getting sober, I, I took her food shopping. She was like, ice cream, candy, fruit, mm-hmm. yogurt, honey, yep. caramel, just chocolate the, milk. Yeah, there was not <laughs> one ounce of vitamins or anything yeah. in the whole mix. And I was like, what is going on here? Yep. And I wasn't sure if that was just her or if no. that was a, because she's the only person I yeah. deal with. So that, nope, is, that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, no sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what year were you at there? 2017. Yes, that was the candy scandal year. Oh my God. <laughs> um, we all had candy all the time. Yeah. Really? Every single one of us. It. They actually, we did, I didn't, I just now, a month ago, allowed walks again after. Oh, uh, yeah. Since 2017, we stopped allowing the women to go on wow. walks alone. That's a long time. You have no idea. <laughs> so, because the women were hiding candy at the apartment complex uh-huh. um, and then going for walks, and it was quite the scandal I I have to say (laughs) I um, knew it when she said that it wasn't (laughs) that hard my first three months at Isabel house I did I broke every rule and no one knew Mm -hmm. because I played a good you know game Mm -hmm. um I ended up ratting on myself and that's when my program really started and it did help a lot um but it was really easy to Mm -hmm. take things in because they check you when you get home they don't check you that much if you got big boobs you can hide something (laughs) on your boob no one's gonna see that right um, yeah. If you have a hidden pocket in your jacket, no one's gonna check it. Yeah, or it your was, shoe. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, and we all had candy or scratch oh, yeah. tickets. All yeah. of it. Money. It was, it was intense. Phones, yeah. cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. So with that, um, our program is a behavior modification program, mm-hmm. and so it would be silly of us to believe that it, people. The are rules are always going to exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the intent is not necessarily that we want all of these people being you know rule adherers yeah the goal is is can we get you to say no more often to things you know you shouldn't yeah. ever do yeah so that when you're presented with something that can kill you you can say no yeah. and so it's reinforcing That's that genius. no yeah. yeah so everything we do there is purposeful everything yeah. from you know you're allowed two cups of coffee in the morning do we know that you guys drink more or that the clients do yes yeah. but the goal is to get you to to realize yes you're breaking a rule yeah. is it going to harm you no not right now you yeah. might have a consequence that's pretty yeah. minimal um but the goal is to just reinforce it's just analogous no. to drug use yeah 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 and exactly. like you said it's your it's, your real progress began when you just started to make well those yeah decisions it's, for it's yeah. behavior modification and i think my biggest you know negative like not negative but you know thing that i needed to work on is that how easy it was for me to um you know look like I'm doing everything right, but I'm, yes. you know, being able so to get away with so much. Um, and there was a lot going on in the house when I ended up telling on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I did, and I had a laundry list of things yeah. and I told on everything that yeah. I have done. Um, you know, I really, everything changed for me. I didn't sneak any more candy in the house. Um, you know, I wasn't doing any dishonest behavior Um, I wasn't drinking more than two cups of coffee in the morning, which is easy to do if you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But once that, you know, once you realize that these are bad behaviors, these are behaviors that aren't going to, you know, help me forward. um, It's it's a lot easier to just do it, it. you know, and it's a lot more rewarding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's I mean, ultimately, each person in the program it's their program Mm -hmm. and they're going to do it how how they think they should do it um regardless of what i say 
the yeah. expression it works if you work it isn't the right. that's I yeah. think that's AA but it's, it's similar though yeah I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It, Heidi needed to do that mm -hmm. for her own mm -hmm. conscience. Yeah. We know that they're doing that. We know yeah, that they're yeah. doing things like that. You're not that. running a jail. Where right. It's like, you right. Know, well, and yeah. we're not going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The intent is really to, to expose you to enough stress and triggers and desires that you're yeah. you're going to say no at some point. God, I, I almost to want hold that in yourself, my own life. Well, to hold <laughs> yourself accountable when you have done something yeah. that, you know, you weren't supposed to do, mm -hmm. which you end up, you know, being like, okay, well, yeah, I... I don't know what I don't can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you tell on yourself when it happens, mm -hmm. um, and that how, gets easier. <laughs> how do you? One of the things I think my sister struggles with is coming to terms with her entire past, trauma, these past yeah. three years, things she's gone through, things she's put herself through, mistakes she's made, yeah, all of that stuff, mm -hmm. and that's that's one of, that's kind of the momentum that keeps you using because mm -hmm. you don't want to face all guilt, of those issues. Shame. Yeah, guilt, yeah. shame. And, you know, I have those, like I said, when I smoke cigarettes, I'm, I feel guilty every time I light a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's that's like a tiny version of, you know, she was stealing from people, oh, stealing yeah. from stores, getting arrested. It's like, and all of that stays with you. Yeah. And it's like, how do I get away from those, these feelings? You go and use. It's yeah. It's... Definitely hard. Um, I, on top of doing stuff at Isabel House, I was required by CPS to do um, like mental health. I did EMDR, which helps with what is that again? trauma. EMDR, um, it is a, I've heard of it. it's a therapy mm -hmm. to um, like alleviate the like trauma that you've yeah. gone through. Is it like light? Stimulation. Yeah, so I used eye, a vibration yeah. thing. Yeah, they call it eye movement, uh, um, rapid desensitization. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's mm -hmm. what it's, yeah. Um, and that helped me a lot with my like trauma aspect, but it's still really difficult yeah. um, to move forward in everyday life um, knowing that I'm the reason that, you know, my yeah. my oldest son went at Isabella House. He didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. Um, you know, he lives with me now, uh, but it took, it, was really difficult to, to know that I'm the reason he yeah. didn't want to talk to me, yeah. you know, and I'm the reason that he is going to have some abandonment issues. And, mm -hmm. and to this day, I do get like glimmers of that. You yeah. know, he has a lot of behavioral problems. Um, I'm in a place where I can be there to help him grow and cope with those. And, yeah. but I know that I'm the reason he is struggling with those things and that's kind of hard to deal with but that that breaks my sister too when yeah when he's like i don't want to talk to you mommy mm -hmm. it's like and you can see the frustration in his eyes and in his voice and and but that's one of uh, we were talking to her the other day from the treatment facility and she's like i need to get out of here i need to go get my son back blah blah, blah. and we're just like but this is the her first best, step the best thing yeah. you could do to get your son back is just stay yeah, yeah. um and yeah this uh, Everything about these situations is difficult mm -hmm. and not it's the most difficult on the person who's going through it But it's difficult on the family as Absolutely. well. It's so rough. Mm -hmm. Like my dad has lost Probably years of his life oh, from yeah. the stress, mm -hmm. you know, it's just um, Yeah, like I said, and she's overdosed and technically died on multiple occasions right and as a parent like that's devastating when when she's not answering her calls or and we buy her phones we pay for her phone bills and she sells them or they get stolen. And then, you know, my dad, as well as me, we're just staying up every night. Like, is she even alive? Right. And that's, 
So that was the most frustrating thing about the release of information. Mm-hmm. I understand that's mm-hmm. for their own personal safety and yes. rights. But when you're like, is she okay and is she living? And they're like, we cannot the, confirm the most, they can't that confirm is the that. most, confirm or deny the, I have never had year. a string of words infuriate me more than that. Yeah. I can neither confirm nor den- or, or deny that she's even here. Right. And I'm just like, I just want to fucking know if she's alive. Right, right. I just need to know she's alive. Then I can go to bed. Yeah. You know? Um, well, and I think as a family member, I can understand that. Yeah. As a client, it, it's absolutely within their right to oh, say, yeah. I don't want anyone to know yeah. Yeah. anything about me. And if they're angry, especially, that's going yeah. to be. Sometimes it's kind of nice to break yourself away from that, yeah. even though, you know, your family mm-hmm. is struggling. Yeah. Um, knowing that yeah. you don't have to think about that right now. Yeah. Right. It's, it is kind of nice. Yeah. Well, and I think it's the advice that I give to, to families that call and are, are really going through it is, yes, you can love them, mm-hmm. but don't love them to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that can happen if you start to become so in, entrenched and entangled in your desire to want them to be sober and it overshadows basically reason at some time at some points when you're driving around the streets looking for someone or which i did last week yeah Yeah. and so that's tough you know um and i get it from you know a a personal standpoint that's very difficult from a professional standpoint it's being able to separate yourself and say i can love you and i will love you and and i'll wish the very very best but i can't continue to sap my resources whether that's emotionally financially whatever it might be to continue to feed into this addiction Mm -hmm. and and ultimately that's what will happen or what is happening um and until she's kind of gotten to that place and maybe it's not having support that that wakes them up and and who would ever want to do that but at the same time it's loving them enough to say hey no i'm not going to get you a phone yeah you know that's you know, those kinds of things, setting those boundaries and being really firm on them and not being angry anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's hard because you have a huge investment in, in what happens. Yeah. She's your sister and you want to protect her. And, yeah. and But being able to step back and, and saying, I'll love you and support yeah. you in any way I can it from is, here, but I can't. It is in. difficult to manage your emotions because yeah. one yeah. aspect of you is like, you're so sad and you're so worried all the time. And then another part, it's like, we take her home, we have, to, we try to make her comfortable and help her detox for yeah. a while, and then she She's goes gone. up fit. Yep. And like, she does this thing all the time, where it's, she's been home with us, she's been detoxed for a little while. She goes, hey, can we go to the store? I just wanna get some ice cream or something. And we go, okay, we, we're not even thinking about it. We're just like, we're gonna get ice cream. And she'll find a reason, whatever it is, to be mad about something, mm-hmm. to make an excuse to get out of the car. So she says, yeah. better let me out yeah. or I'm gonna jump out while you're driving. Mm-hmm. And then she bolts and disappears. Yeah. And so you just wanna freak out. Mm-hmm. You're just like so angry, like what do you, we've been, you've been sober for three, four or five days. Yeah. And now you're just throwing it all away. And it's like, then the, the search continues. Mm-hmm. Where is she? Is she alive? Who is she with? You know, is she sleeping on the street? Yeah. And um, yeah. So I would encourage your family to stop mm. taking her to the store. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, yeah. yeah. That's if what she we, wants to go to the yep. store, she's going to need to figure out her own ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, if you respond differently, yeah. 
she'll start to respond differently. Yeah, and that's, yeah. well, that's one of the reasons she hates me the most mm -hmm. because it's like my dad, I do a job where I can clock on, off mm -hmm. whenever I want. I have time to do whatever, whenever. Mm -hmm. And also my dad's getting older. Mm -hmm. And so like me, I'll, I'll call her on her shit. Mm -hmm. I'll realize actions she's taking and adjust my behavior to try to prevent certain things from happening. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's why she's the most angry with me at all yeah. times because yeah. I'm the only one who's like, but man, it's it's terrifying. It's it's a weird line to draw because like when she's at our house, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, everybody needs to use the bathroom. Okay, are you in the bathroom because you're going to the bathroom or taking a shower mm -hmm. or are you using? Yep. Why have you been in there for an hour? Mm -hmm. Why have you been in there for 45 minutes? Yeah. Um, you know? So you know Pavlov, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's basically what's happened within the family system, and that happens often. Um, I hear it a lot, and I try and talk about that um, very candidly with the patients that I work with because just like Pavlov, you know, he comes out, rings a bell, and the dog yeah. starts to salivate. Reinforcing. Right. Yeah. And so what's happened is any of her behaviors are now using behaviors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the family has now created, it's a Pavlov effect is yeah. what's happened. And so anything she's doing, the family's questioning the motive. Yeah. And that makes her angry. Yep. She's sometimes, like, well, if you're accusing me, I might as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she's like, I'm just going to the bathroom. And you want to say, okay, I believe you. Yeah. But then the next time you mm -hmm. hear a slump and she's, she's fallen over, yep. passed out. Exactly. And so it's like, what am I supposed to think yeah. at any given second? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, God, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, what I talk with my clients about in that regard is, you know, you've you've helped create this situation yeah. and, and, and these ideas about your behaviors. And so it's going to take you a long time to undo them because it took yeah. you a long time to train them to respond the way they're responding. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, it's challenging for sure. And she's always saying, can't you just trust me? And I'm like, I my, can't. My sister and my mom were so upfront because I used to do that too, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm not, I don't always lie, yeah. you know, just trust me. And they're like, no, yeah. I can't. You have proven nothing to me yeah. that I can trust you. And it got to the point where with me where, you know, my mom wouldn't answer my calls sometimes and um, she wouldn't let me in, in the house. Yeah. And I had nowhere to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do because you want to know that that person can come to you yeah uh, but at the same time you know they're coming to you but it, it's for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. so you really have to put a line down and be like you know no I, i'm not gonna let you sleep here anymore so what um i i, I have mixed feelings about places where it's like we're shelter no drugs allowed mm -hmm. and i'm almost like well they're gonna use should have been a safe place what would in somebody like my, in my situation with my family and her staying with us, it, how should we go about her drug use at our home? Um, should we say, don't stay here if you have drugs? Should we say, you're gonna stay here, but we're gonna monitor every move you make or not right, necessarily right. say that out loud, mm -hmm. but it's kind of a given. Um, do you have any advice on how to navigate those waters? I think having a very transparent conversation with each other about what you guys are willing to tolerate and what you're not, yeah. and then being a united force in that. Yeah. And yeah. is it easy? No. Um, you know, I'm not in that situation, so I can't direct mm -hmm. one way or the other, but I do know the potential of overdose is so high. Yeah. And are you guys prepared yeah. to find her? 
Yeah. Um, and that's the last time, luckily, randomly, my aunt had a thing of Narcan in her car. Yep. When my sister overdosed in the bathroom, yep. they had to bust the door down. Oh, yeah. And she was like, thank God I had that. Mm -hmm. She had it in her car forever, just yeah. for whatever past reasons, I don't know. But um, if she hadn't had it, she wouldn't be here with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would be stalking your house if she's going to stay there. Yeah, that's what my Narcan. dad and I were talking about. Yeah. Um, but also, Narcan's 50 bucks. It's 50 bucks per dose. And that's expensive as hell too. I mean, it's yeah. it's worth it to have a few of them on. Mm -hmm. It's literally life-saving. You can likely call the health district and they can really? get you some for free. Mm -hmm. Wow, Yeah. okay. That's really good to know. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you'd like to say about Isabella House? Um, I, I do always wonder what it's like to even get into a place like that. Like I was talking with Catholic Charities on their steps on how somebody would go about even contacting availability, mm -hmm. you know, any, anything you'd like yeah. to say. So um, we are not an assessment site, mm -hmm. so um, we can only take referrals for people who already have an assessment. Yeah. Um, and then that assessment would need to say that they're at a 3.3 level of care, which is a long-term intensive inpatient treatment, which is PPW programs in Washington. Mm -hmm. um, our wait list depends kind of on a lot of different factors. Um, certain people in certain circumstances go to the top of the list. Like if you're mm -hmm. pregnant and you're injecting, um, yeah. you go straight to the top. And so those may supersede some other, other folks. Um, so they would just call our intake coordinator, Dre McKenzie. Um, and our phone number is 509-624-1244, extension 108 for her. Okay. Um, Make sure to put that on the screen too. Thank you. And she can um, give a better idea about what wait lists and things like mm -hmm. that look like. To walk through the doors of our facility is the most respectful thing that I can yeah. honestly say I see day in, day out. It, I could not imagine making a commitment like that. Yeah to say I'm going to go to this strange place with all of these strange people, with all of these really awful behaviors a lot of times yeah. or difficult behaviors, very different personalities. Tons of kids. Kids, parent, <laughs> different parenting styles. And then you have all of these authority figures too that are directing you. And so not having compassion for mm -hmm. me, I will write my staff up immediately yeah. if not um, terminate because that's just yeah. I can't imagine making that decision and I don't care who's having a bad day mm -hmm. it's never going to be as bad as the day that someone has to walk through a treatment program mm -hmm. like yeah. that while there's hope on one end of that a lot of times it's very difficult to see that um, and so it's it's so remarkable it's humbling that's beautiful my eyes are watering that's, yeah. that's wonderful yeah. yeah it's amazing um, and, and I ask all my staff to have that same attitude and compassion because um, it's the most difficult thing that yeah. they'll do in their lifetime. That's one thing I wish was stressed more in detox facilities or in the police force. Yeah. And yeah, again, people get, when that's your job all day, people coming in and out, yeah. problematic, drug abuse. It's like you get jaded. Yeah. You get a little sick of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Anything else you'd like to talk about, Heidi? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, Any fond experiences at Isabella House? I, you know, I am so grateful for Isabella House. Um, I talk very highly of Isabella House. I think it's just such a wonderful program, and I'm blessed to have been there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really difficult at first. There's so many rules that you 
you know, eventually have to adhere to, um, you know, but it's, it's all worth it. Like in the end, I'm just, I wouldn't be here, you know, if I, if I had never gone there, honestly. Well, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. you. And I know the whole family is too. Um, (laughs) We're going to wrap up. I did what I, I had another question. Is there anything my dad and always, and I always wish this existed. Is there anything you can sign as somebody being admitted where you can say, I'm here of my own free will, but I want you to not let me out. Is there any facility or anything that allows for that? Because it does seem, there's an episode, have you seen the show Shameless? Uh, no, oh, right. I've heard there's, of it. But. There's an episode where there's an addict who robs one of the uh, cast of the show, the one of mm-hmm. the people in the show. And it's not a great thing he did, but he, he re- recognized the man was an addict, chained him to a, a post in his basement mm-hmm. and forced him to get sober. Yep. And the guy thanked him at the end of that. Mm-hmm. And that's radical and ridiculous, obviously. Right. But I almost do think most addicts deep down kind of want that. I feel like that's kind of what my sister wants. Um, and I'm, I'm always wondering, why isn't there something where you can sign and say, look, in this moment, I want to get sober, but I know I'm not going to want to in the future once the withdrawal symptoms kick in or whatever, psychologically. I feel like there should be something like that. Unless you disagree, I don't know your thoughts on that. Well, I think it, just the legality behind that mm-hmm. um, is tough. I can understand from a family's perspective why. Yeah. However, um, people come in very motivated. They're like, I want to do this. I yeah. can't wait. I'm so grateful to be here. And then 48 hours later, they're like, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. Um, and so there isn't. Um, there's, you know, we, we actually have them sign a, a hold harmless agreement that you understand you're not being held here against yeah. your will. Um, although you may have significant consequences. And so it's really the clinician's job to say, okay, let's look at these discrepancies. You're saying you want all of these things. These are your goals, but yet your behaviors are not Mm. adding up to that. Um, And so how can we get them to be more congruent? How can we get them to add up? Um, And if you're saying, I want my child or I don't want to have any oversight by the courts, but yet you're aborting treatment, that doesn't doesn't make sense. Um, And so creating that those discrepancies is important, but if you don't have time, you're sort of at a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, The other pieces um, with drug court, they can be involuntarily committed for 180 days, which Mm -hmm. is uh, LRA. Do you have people that are involuntary committed? I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I wish I knew how that worked a bit more, because again, like my sister's kind of going through that, Mm -hmm. but all the extensions and yeah, yeah, she hasn't. Well, in two weeks, I mean, it sounds like they're kind of creeping on mm-hmm. the longer periods of time. So she may reach that. Um, unfortunately, though, if she's in a program like ours, she can walk out. Mm-hmm. We don't lock the doors. Yeah. That's um, what I, I was telling him. Yeah, but mm-hmm. she would go to jail. Yeah. Um, that would be the next thing they'd come find yeah. her. I actually if she was there revoked. through drug court. You said. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. I had a client that was just recently picked up. They revoked her, mm-hmm. her DNR or her LRE um, because she wasn't following the and what so if, if that happens do you have any second chances of oh yeah restarting mm-hmm. yeah yeah as long as you haven't blown the house up or something yeah. you know yeah. like <laughs> um acted completely insane yeah. And, yeah no for me my tolerance for that kind of thing is pretty low mm-hmm. um just because i have a whole house to think of and, mm-hmm. and children and and so i have tolerance for some of it yeah. um but some stuff i just won't yeah. um and and so if you're trying to start fights with people or you're 
explosive continuously. Um, But I've had clients come back and do unbelievably well. I just make sure that they know right off the gate. We're not going to repeat what happened last time. So you got this. I know you got this. I know it's difficult to know because once people are out of there, they're doing their own thing. Mm How, what do you think the success rate, not just of yours, I mean, of any really rehab facility, because um, you've been sober nearly four years now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, but I've, I've always been told that heroin is one of the, which is my sister's drug of choice, and meth when she's yeah. really down. Yeah. Um, you could relapse after six years or, oh, you know, yeah. it's like, what, what percentage of people do you see coming back? It's hard to say. Because they um, might go to another facility, too. That yeah. or because of the privacy laws, we can't really track them well. Mm. Um, you know, addiction is addiction. And, and it's, excuse me, um, success is really determined by the person that's wanting yeah. assistance. And it's not a great percentage. And we know that. But the more, the longer you're in treatment and the more times that you mm. attempt, the better your success rate is. And so... It's not unusual to see people come back once or twice. I've had clients come back three times. I, I am just one person stunned. specifically. Yeah. Yes. I saw there three different times when I was at when I was there yeah. and in transitional house and well, and I've had them complete successfully and come yeah. back. That's several it's times. Like a year and a half. Of it's crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, knowing how difficult the pro- program is, and then making that decision to do it again is, is yeah. pretty remarkable. Um, that's a commitment. For do you sure. guys partner at all with outpatient facilities? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So we New Horizon Care Centers owns Sunray Court, which is our men's facility. Mm-hmm. We have two outpatient facilities, and then we also oversee the PCAP program, which is a parent-child assistance program. It's a grant-funded program. You said you said Sunrise Court. Sunray. Sunray. Mm-hmm. Is that like? Sim- is is there any men's version of Isabel House? Is that what that is? Not or that I'm aware of. Yeah. I know that Cedronor has. <clears throat> um, a family component, but it's not mm-hmm. a PPW. So Spokane, no. That's a little bit frustrating. Yeah. I mean, because I know my dad or my brother is, has been in that situation. Yeah. He has children and things don't necessarily lean towards working with men that Correct. much who have children. Right. Well, and the other piece of that is typically the crime, mm. the crimes that men commit are, can be excluding um, mm-hmm. to have around children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so there's that piece yeah, of it too. And that's... so you have to kind of balance, okay, child safety. Yeah, that's a very big point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it can be tough. Um, yeah. Do I think there's a need? Absolutely there is. Yeah. Logistically, I don't know how to, yeah. to make that work. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, um, so I know someone that has been in, at Sunray Court twice. Um, and even though it's, you know, it's not a parenting, there's not a parenting aspect of it. Um, you know, they do, he was able to visit with his kids mm. m- multiple times. Um, yeah. you know, so it's not, you know, they aren't going to help you parent, but mm. they're not going to, um, like s- force you to like separate yourself from it much either. I mean, you, you will still be able to talk to your kids and, mm-hmm. you know, see them, yeah. um, it's just, you know, they're not going to be able to live with you. Um, but there are men, um, men and children. I think there's one Oxford men house. and ch- uh, children, Oxford House. There might be two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that my my boyfriend and we, um, when I got out of treatment, he was living in an Oxford House. And at the time, his daughter was not a men and children, mm-hmm. um, but CPS had approved it. And because the house had approved it, his daughter did live with him there for um, a short period of time before he got... Mm-hmm. An, an apartment um yeah. mm-hmm. you know so there are exceptions 
no, it's not a treatment facility, but it is a sober environment and they're going to encourage you to, you know, do things for your recovery mm-hmm. when you're working, when you're living there. Um, you know, and, and that way you can also do that with your kids. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's incredible that you guys offer that. Um, learning how to become a parent again after yeah. you get sober, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any information you'd like to give just for maybe phone numbers or anything like that? Or Well, I think just the intake number for Dre. Mm-hmm. Um, our outpatient facility is, um, you can also call the 624-1244 number, and um, our outpatient is 201. They do assessments there, so... Um, they can do an assessment and send it over for a referral um, or outpatient services just in general. And they also do mental health there. Um, so it's it's quite a big agency with lots mm-hmm. of different supports. Okay. Well, thanks both of you yeah. for coming. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate thank you everything for having you do. Me. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. uh, good luck to you and your family. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. That's the episode, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>